0: Hello, Pod Save Africa listeners. Welcome back to another episode. We're here to bring to you our news updates, um, as we do, as we usually do. Uh, we have three great stories from around the continent, um, and we're just stories that you should be mindful of as we end this year, as we round up this year, um, and as you think towards your 2021. Um, Akedi, would you take us off with the
1: first Happy story? Happy to. Fantastic. So, yes, three great stories for today. We're going to start with the coronavirus update. It's still going, it's still happening, we're going to get you abreast of what's going on in the African continent with regards to the coronavirus. Then we're going to go to Tunisia slash Italy slash Tunisia slash Italy, it'll make sense when we do the story. Then we're going to go to Zimbabwe to discuss government spending and food and climate change and all the things. It's going to be an exciting week, and we look forward to diving into these stories with you. Welcome to Pod Save Africa. Welcome, Welcome to Pod Save Africa. Welcome to Pod Save Africa. Welcome yeah. yes. to Pod Save Africa. Welcome 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 to Pod Save Africa. Our first story of today is a coronavirus update for you guys today. Um, We have some big numbers for you today. First is that South Africa has hit a million, one million cases, but that doesn't tell the entire story. Actually, most of the African continent is under, under 20,000 cases so far, right? So 70% of the Af- of the countries on the African continent have less than 20,000 cases, which is good. It's also reflected in in the commensurate rate of, of deaths and recoveries and things of that nature. So the African continent is generally doing well. However, one interesting trend we noted is that the countries that seem to be the hardest hit, South Africa, Morocco, with a million and half a million. Cases of peace are actually also the causes the the countries rather, with the most air travel. So, is there a correlation? Is it causation? Of course, we're not going to say that's the case, but it's likely to be a contributing factor to how heavy, how hard these countries are being hit. We see that these countries have no correlation across. Population or even treatment and seriousness of dealing with this uh, pandemic. But we do see that they are still quite the busier countries when it comes to it travel. That being said, I would love to hear your thoughts on this, Angela.
0: It's also interesting to note that um, despite having a lot of cases, that it's, it's in comparison has very small amount of deaths with only 26,000. Um, now, every life matters and no loss is 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 too small to be dealt so this is is still sad that we've had to lose a number of cases in south africa but south africa has always had significantly more cases than the than other african countries since COVID 19 began spreading earlier this year till now um in fact there's been seen that there's a new um new strain of the virus in south africa and yes this is different from the strain that was recently found in the uk um but uh, a few days ago on the 19th of december a new strain was said to be have been found in south africa and that strain spreads much quicker than um the than the original strain i guess um, and affects younger people although the mortality rate of this new strain isn't necessarily it doesn't it isn't necessarily more deadly than the old strain uh, and so at least we're thankful for that small small fact but because of because of that new strain the spread has become much faster in fact it only took about nine days after the country initially reported 900 cases for them to report one million so that's just to paint a picture of how fast the spread is um and as a response countries have begun to like shut down influx of Flights from South Africa to South Africa, and I believe South Africa, the South African government, is taking measures to also um, kind of isolate the country um, and isolate and reduce the spread of the virus. Um, so, so again, with, with with the initial issue that were affecting most countries around the world when the virus started spreading is that a majority of the ICU and high care units are operating at capacity um, and the, everyone is just, I guess, trying to do what they can with tighter lockdowns and stricter rules to really limit the spread of the virus.
1: For our second story of today, we are going to take you to the scenic and beautiful Mediterranean city of Sousse in Italy. We are starting with 282 wonderful containers of what was supposed to be plastics, but actually turned out to be doo-doo. It's poop, guys. It is human and household waste that was taken from Italy and dumped, 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 dumped in an African country of Tunisia. It turns out that the African country thought that they were being shipped lots of plastics, at least a lot of people in the country they shipped a lot of plastics. However, there was some kind of alleged fishy deal going on between the uh, environmental minister and the, 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 the dumping agency from Italy, whereas human, you know, Household waste was being dumped in, in Tunisia through an illegal process. Now, this is actually, as we started to research this story, we found that this is actually not at all unusual and quite concerning, to be honest with you. It turns out that many developed countries or, con- or companies from multinational companies from developed countries actually dump their illegal or sometimes even toxic waste in African countries. As a result of this particular case, the environmental minister was then sacked so, sack and then shortly after arrested. Um, so hopefully they can get to the bottom of what actually happened here. However, however, digging into the story and going further back in time, we found that this has actually happened in the past many times before. One big story that comes to mind is when in 2006 toxic waste was dumped in Abidjan um, and ended up making hundred thousand 100 thousand people need had to have medical attention to treat them because of how bad the waste was it was a multinational all company that don't waste through a middleman they figured out that hey it's going it was going to cost them about seven hundred thousand dollars to dispose of it themselves they found a middleman in Abidjan that they could just pay seventeen thousand dollars to dispose of it um, and they went around doing that that route despite making almost half a billion dollars in profits that year. Um, so, you see companies really just cutting the cuts, cutting, cutting, taking short courses of waste and dumping it on countries that simply don't have the facilities to deal with advanced waste and things of that nature. Comes sometimes.
0: So, I'm sure you listeners are all wondering why in the hell, pardon my French, would countries be dumping waste from one country to another in the first place? Turns out that this is a fairly, I guess, or was, or is sort of a a fairly acceptable practice. Um, Whereas wealthy countries send their recyclable waste overseas um, to these developing countries because it's cheaper um, to do that. Um, It helps to meet their recycling targets and reduces landfill in their own countries. Um, And for the developing countries, they take in this waste because it's a valuable source of income um, for their citizens. quote unquote, valuable. Um, and I, because I believe they have more of the space to handle the, those waste. But as we've mentioned with this story, oftentimes it's illegal waste that is shipped as part of, of of the waste that is shipped into these countries. And oftentimes the recycling of this waste, sometimes it's just burnt on um, the plastic that is in some of the plastic that that is supposed to be recycled. Recyclable isn't, and it is just burns, so contributing to global warming within these countries. Um, it is worthy to note that the European Union has has now banned plastic waste from being shipped to developing nations. Um, all non-recyclable plastic waste. So we'll see how that how that is managed, or how that is separated from being shipped to developing nations from the f- from the first of January, um, one th- thing to note is that the UK is no longer part of the U- European Union, as we- as I'm sure we're all aware of at this point. Um, but there is, what did you say? I
1: <laughs> said shout out to
0: brexit <laughs> Shout out to Brexit. Um, but so it will not be subject to the change in this policy, but. I believe there was an environment environment bill that was submitted to parliament earlier in the year, in January of 2020. um, And we'll see if that helps to curb the shipment of waste to developing countries, including African nations.
1: For our third story, we go all the way to Zimbabwe for a story about, honestly, money and food. The Zimbabwe government has spent $3 billion, yes, American dollars, on a program called the Command Agricultural Program. That program was essentially slated to help improve agricultural outputs, feed the people, all the important things that we care about around providing food security in an African nation. However, we found that that program is actually faltered despite the significant amount of money spent on it. Now, $3 billion may not seem like a lot of money to you, and and if it doesn't, you you can call me. Uh, but if it doesn't seem like a lot of money to you, it's 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 a lot of money for Zimbabwe. They're a smaller country with a very small with a relatively smaller GDP. So it makes makes up a quite significant portion of the GDP. As a result, you must understand that they were really betting a lot on this program working out. They found out that a few things, three major things, including their own internal infrastructure and two. You know, climate change as a broader threat, and three, you know, their the ability to research and develop um, solutions and problem solve have hampered the, the the output of this program. And looking at the first item, you know, they're on infra- internal infrastructure. They just don't have the you know roads, all the necessary mechanics that are result involved in supporting you know the food supply chain. Um, and as a result, they've seen that, you know, the, any, any, the, the, the increase in output has not materialized as they hoped it would. Second thing is this global threat of climate change. Climate change is causing significant issues all over the world. And one thing we have let yet to turn our, our eyes to is the threats to food security. And, and, and they're starting to see that first time. Having, you know, crops that, you know, 10, 20 years ago would have no problem being developed and being, you know, sold and whatever for for people. Um, they can't do that anymore. They're seeing less arable land and things of that nature. And then of course, the number three is research and developments. When you have all these issues as we mentioned, they don't have the skills, they don't have the systems uh, set up to problem solve and troubleshoot in terms of their farming mechanisms. It's really a call to many African countries that if we're going to move in towards food security and just general developments, having problem solving mechanics are important and the global threat of global warming and climate change is certainly still there. Um, thoughts,
0: my co-host. I'm not thoughts on my end for this story. I'll just hand it back to you. Akere, what are our main takeaways for the stories that we've covered today?
1: So I think the main theme we're discovering here is how the global environment in the, uh, Starting at the very top of that coronavirus, we're seeing that air travel, people coming in and out of the continent, has affected the, 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 the performance or the, the uh, dispersion of the coronavirus in some of the African countries. Looking at a Tunisian situation, we're seeing how global waste and toxic waste from developed countries could potentially pose a threat, and so creating a system to manage that is critical for us to look at. Also, if you're interested in starting a business, there's an opportunity there in that margin between 17000 and 600,000. If you're starting it, haul out to us, what's your Africa I oh. uh,
0: Shares
1: in your business. We then share them. shares in your business. We do, we do work in your business. We're giving out ideas here. Yeah, this is my new listen. Anyways. Then to so our third story, looking at the, the, the Zimbabwe Command Agriculture Program, we're finding that the global threat of climate change is, is really real to not just developing countries but to us. We've already discussed in the past, on past episodes and past interviews, how it's affecting us uniquely. About food security is a core element of that, and Zimbabwe, unfortunately, is dealing with those realities at this point in time. So, global, 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 global. When you think about Africa, you have to think
0: about the in and context of, of the global and world. Mm-hmm. And now our last section in this episode is our plantainship of the day. Um, today, we're, we want to te- let you know that Africa has roughly 30% of the world's outstanding mineral resources. Oh,
1: yeah. Oh yeah. So that literally means that, you know, a continent that is not definitely not up to thirty percent of the world's total land mass or thirty percent of its population quite yet. Um is thirty percent of the remaining mineral resources on Africa. One, I think it's going to set up an interesting dynamic for our countries approach the African continent moving forward, especially with the world especially if resources for some reason become more scarce moving forward. And then also what opportunities African countries have in themselves for developing those resources, leveraging them to create development and to create wealth for many people.
0: You also see why a lot of these bigger developed quote-unquote countries prey on African countries so much um in the first place because as we've mentioned we have all more of the resources that are needed to make the world function um and we've seen it in the several stories that we've covered with what's going on in the DRC and in other parts of the
1: continent yes fantastic thanks for listening in and you have a fantastic day this has been Akendi and and of Africa Cheerios stay frosty bye